0: In een hartelijke goeiemorgen, en welkom bij ons program Skrifteerlik, waar ons wekelijk saam na oplossing soek uit die skrifte vir waar waarmee gewone mense sikkel. Die Bijbel sê in Johannes 17, 17, woord is waarheid, heilig hulle na woord, en pasal om sê, woord is een lamp van my voete en een licht van my pad. Kom dan samen met ons vir die volgende uur, wanneer ons geen steen onaangeraag laat om die waarheid te vind en licht te schyn op die vraag uit die schrifte waarmee ek en jy moendlik kan worstel nie. Krijg dus gauw jou Bijbel en kom onderzoek saam met ons die schrifte. Dis moes nou schriftierlik. From your ear to your heart to your mouth to your feet. Join this life on 657 AM. Van jou oor na jou hart, na jou mond, na jou voete. Worddeel van hierdie lewe op 657 Radio Kansel en 729 Kaapse Kansel. Worddeel van hierdie lewe. Wat is hierdie lewe? Soeke na die waarheid. Ek het 'n vriend daar in die Kaap wat altyd sê dat ons geen steen onaangeraak laat om die waarheid te vind hee. Are you looking for truth? Well, you will find it in this program because we share the undiluted truth of our Lord and Savior called the Bible, God's Word, with you in this program. And uh, you're welcome to participate in this programme. We're here until 12 o'clock this afternoon. I'm going to give to you a number. Screw from here, have your telephone number a WhatsApp number, and this jy can deal with the program scrap. What is the V program? iemand heeft daar iets ergens kwijt geraakt wat eh uh, niet helemaal zeker is waar dit staan in die woord van die Heer en en nou bring dit groot vraagtekens by jou. In hierdie program soek ons na die antwoorde op vraag dit waarmee ek en jy stry. Baie keer leefstijl vraag, baie keer vraag oor die hevelik, vrouwer oor die woord van God, vrouwer oor christenskap, wat het ook al mag wees waarmee jy sikkel. In hierdie program is jy baie welkom dan om vir ons die programma is je bij welkom dan om voor ons die vraag door te stuur. Most of the program will be uh, presented in English. Uh, pastor Rocky Stevenson, with a name like that, uh, he is from Benoni Bible Church. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za if you want to be in touch with him. But let him say good morning himself. Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning. It's such a joy to be here. And we thank the Lord for his kindness to us in having another day that we can present scriptural
0: yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, as you heard, the man at the tip of the spear, Pastor Rocky Stevenson. I pray, and we have prayed beforehand for you. That God would open your spiritual ears and spiritual eyes that you can hear, see, and understand so that you can go forth and tell somebody somewhere, somehow, this is what the Word of the Lord says. Right, are you ready? Have you got a pen and paper handy? Is your contacts on your phone open? This is where you jot down this number. Because if you want to send in a question, you're welcome to do so. On 082, that's Vodacom. Oh, 082657, that's the frequency on which you're listening to right now, then the number 2, and then 729. Have you got that? Oh, 08265729. 729 Net die alleen opmerking, dat jy as blief die skrifgedeelte by sit, dit waar je vraag het, miskien het jy vraag je uit die bybel het Interessante vraag, Nee, wat ons kan vraag uit die bybel uit, vraag soos uh, Abram en uh, hoe kom zij nou vir Abimele g- gaan sê het, Sarah is, is sy syster uh, en baie ander vraag iemand wat eendag vir ons gevra het in hierdie program, is uh, Simpson, jemel toe, as hy dan self-moord gepleeg het, Sy arms down amazing questions that we do get in this program, did Simpson commit a suicide uh, as he killed those uh, 3000, how many people were in that hallway, I can't really sure. even remember, quite a number of people. My yes, by welcome, stuur jou vraag vir in, in ons bid work, that even though we present this program, the majority of it, in English, that God's spirit, the giver of language, will help you understand, be it English, be it Afrikaans, whatever language we pray, speak in here, that uh, you will understand what we're talking about, and we have prayed for you. Right, here goes, Oh eight two six five seven two seven two nine. as jy jou het, stuur hom in, en ons gaan hom anpak, en Am takkel hier in die atelier We had a question a couple of weeks ago, Rocky And it goes as follows, it says Goeiemorgen, Wijnand en Rocky, hoop dit gaan goed met julle En dat julle geseende jaar sal belewe Ek hoop my vraag is relevant vir julle program Julle het nie nodig om dadelijk hier die vraag te antwoord nie Indien julle eerself wil navorsing doen Dit gaan oor die reeks The Chosen Soos ek kan afleid baie gesprekke met baie mense, is The Chosen baie gewild. Wat denk jullie hiervan? En dan die lang vraag, hy sê ek het die reeks beginnen kyk en het al met die eerste episode a bieke geraak. Nou ek is nie iemand wat die verkeerd en alle sien en probeer objectief na hierdie soort programme kyk. Maar ik toets ook altijd alles met die Bijbel wanneer ik naar dit soort programma kijk. Die hele skrif is toch immers ons God geinspireerd, groot waarom te onderrug, dwaling te bestryd. jy ken die skrif 2 Timotheus 3, 16. Maar in een van die episodes sê die acteer wat Jezus uitbeeld vir Nicodemus en die Samaritaanse vrouw daar by die put, en hy haal hulle aan, what does your heart tell you? It is all about the heart. in dadelijk was daar een groot vraagteken, want dit klink daarom so 'n een vreem. En In Johannes 3 lees ek daarop, sê Jezus, waarom? Dit verzeker ek jou, as iemand nie opniet gebore word nie, kan hy nie die koninkrijk van God sien nie. Nicodemus vrouwt en vorm, hoe kan een mens gebore word, al is hy ou man? kan toch nie tweede keer, en dan haal hy daar hele skrifgedeelte aan van Johannes 3 en niks van, what does your heart tell you nie, dis nie wat Jesus vir hom antwoord nie, so hy gaan aan verder daarmee en uh, verskye ander vraag, Rocky, the question remains, with us Tom, baie dankie vir jy en ons pak om vir aan, ek het nog nie The Chosen gaan kykje, Rocky, did you have a, a, a chance to find out more about The Chosen Would you care to share a little bit about it?
1: I already had um, a a bit of background knowledge regarding The Chosen from when it had first come out. I've never watched it personally, but there's been good men that I've read that have given some kind of reviews or, what did you say, like rotten tomatoes as such regarding this. And, uh, well, here's what the Bible says about the heart of man. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick, who can know it? Wow. Now, if Jesus in that uh, program says... Hey, what's your heart telling you? And it's all about the heart. Yeah. And he's saying that to a prostitute in Nicodemus. Now, what's your heart telling you? And what's that was never the words you? of Jesus. That's never been the words of Jesus. Yeah. That's putting something into Jesus' mouth that actually Satan would ask. Yeah. Um, as, uh, as I've been doing some of that Let's Talk um, episodes and looking at it, I've been looking at Wisdom Wednesday and one of the areas that I've, recently been been just studying a little bit and thinking through is that um that the the difference between god's wisdom and man's wisdom man's wisdom a guy named alistair crawley who was the man who begun the satanist church he had this catchphrase and he said do what thou wilt yeah in other words do whatever you want to do what makes you feel good whatever Mm -hmm. makes you feel good Mm -hmm. and if you wanted to kind of like go a bit further it's do what thou wilt when thou wilt and how thou wilt you just do what you want to do follow your heart is basically the message of satan and that's what satan did back in the garden of eden and he said to um, adam and eve did god really say and god knows that you're going to be like him when you do this so that's why god doesn't want you to do this just do what you want to do whereas the christian phrase which is very much the opposite is not my will but your will lord and it is God willing. That's what James says. And so the opposite of what this follow your heart is actually is follow what God says. Yeah. And God has told us in His Word what He expects of us. He calls on us to be obedient to Him. And so that's really a lie from the evil one. And to even put that into the mouth of an actor that's pretending to be Jesus for money is is blasphemous in many respects. And nobody would do that with any other form of religion, but they'll do that happily with Christianity, and even Christians will buy into it right. and go that way. This is what Jesus says about the heart in Mark 7, verse 21 to 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, pr- proceeds the evil thoughts, sexual immorality, thefts, murder, adulteries, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness, all these evil things proceed from within and defile the man yeah. now would jesus the same one who's now said this about where evil things come from right. say to you follow your heart
0: now i want to ask you a question thomas made mention he started watching this the chosen and uh, we've got a saying in afrikaans that help me your baba met the badwater um, I, I don't know how you would say that in English, but um, at the end of the day, this is one sentence. Rocky, do we then discard a whole program, get rid of a whole se- uh There's also a saying, you know, you have to take the meat off the bones. Don't throw away the whole fish, but take off all meat. has got bones. All fish has got bones. Yeah. Do I take out... And eat fish, or do I discard the whole program and say, no, no, I've got to walk away from this? What What, what is the advice that Scripture gives us? You've, you've this? heard
1: that joke that says, won't you turn to the book of Hezekiah 17 verse 3? Um, and there was never, ever a book of Hezekiah. And yeah. sometimes people will, um, I, I like to say, well, turn to, to be a liar, 17 verse 8 or All whatever. Right. And yeah. you, you find these phrases that almost creep into Christianity like, right. uh, no, no, spit out the bones eat the meat. God would have it that we just have the meat. Now, I know that we are in a broken world, that we have much that is broken around us, and it's good for us to be discerning, etc. But I I think that we have to have a radical change regarding what we view as entertainment. And um, when, when we have certain things that come that actually pretend to be Christian, but are not. The scriptures would actually encourage us to have nothing to do with that. That's what John even would in his epistle say when when somebody comes who's not really a brother but pretending to be a brother, have nothing to do with them. And we should not be those that go and buy tickets to something like this or support something like this. I think that it's good enough to sometimes be discerning, go and read a blog or two of good Christian um, apologists that might even go and see this to actually warn the church about it, and to be careful and to be those that are circumspect and to use our time wisely. And I think some of the problem is that, and and this sometimes happens even with some of our books that are at uh, Christian bookshops like KUM Bookshop. We might buy something that's about the story of Ruth, yeah. and we might go and read it, something like a Francine Rivers, for example. Right. And she does a lot of good research, and she's got so much of the historical things correct. But it's still and a fable. But you go and read that, you've got Mm. to realize that this is a fiction that's based upon the reality. The problem comes when you start to believe what the fiction is instead of what the reality of God's word is. Or when you start to actually like that more than what you would like God's word. And so we've got to realize that depravity um, really is something that we need a savior from and to, to turn from. And so even when you look at something like um, James chapter 1, verse 13 to 16, he has another warning regarding just following our heart and doing whatever we like to do. For example, even something like a watching of the chosen, we can realize that um, the temptation that's that's within that. And, and James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust." Then when lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully matured, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Now, I do think that there is something of a um, what you mentioned when it comes to the, well, eat the meat, spit out the bones. I think there is a level where we can overlook uh, one another's offenses, where we can be a people that are very gracious and kind to those that are around us. And even sometimes in conversation, we don't need to necessarily correct everything that gets said. But, but when it comes to what we choose to do with our time yeah. and how we choose to use it even when it comes to entertainment or relaxation, etc., I think we do need to be circumspect. Yeah. The devil comes parading like an angel of light, yeah. and that's what he does. And he comes and he tempts people to turn away from the truth of God's Word. And that's been his ploy since the beginning, since the Garden of Eden. Did God really say... And if he can put up a parallel and say, this is what God actually said, no, follow your heart, and now people can go, oh, wow, that that resonates with our pagan worldview, then I think that that is a danger. (laughs)
0: God helps those who help themselves. It's not even in the Word. So ultimately, you can sit down with something like this, have God's Word at hand, and uh, check out the scriptures. Acts seventeen eleven. We say it all the time on this program. You know, l- it's good to listen to Rocky and Valant and what we say in this program. But go and check yourself afterwards. Don't just take it mm. uh, on face value that what we say is in fact in the Word of God. Make sure for yourself that's what the Word of God says. Yep. So your advice to Tom then? Walk away from it? Switch off? Yeah, hit yeah. the button? Or, or I think or he's what? seen
1: enough to realize that <laughs> it doesn't um, actually add up to what the scriptures say. Yeah. And it actually goes further than that because in that section in John chapter 3, and I think he, Tom has already alluded to that, yeah. um, the, the point that Jesus makes to somebody like Nicodemus is you need to be born again. That's the, the major point behind it. Yeah. And man never follows his heart to be born again. No. Man no, no, follows no. the call of the Savior. Yeah, And he follows the fact that, that the Savior has revealed himself to him and he knows the bad news that he's a sinner and that he has the good news, the Savior from sin, and that Jesus must become my Savior. And that's really um, a parallel to that sinful behavior. The sinful behavior is follow your heart. The Savior's behavior is turn to Jesus and live. Yeah. And so that's a very opposite to what we see in John chapter 3. And as far as Jesus coming to start a, a revolution, Tom actually mentioned that further on in yeah, his yeah. question. I didn't read um, the whole thing. He, he starts thing. to ask about how it seems like Jesus, Jesus actually says to them, I've come to start a revolution. Well, he didn't come to start a revolution. He came for, uh, to, to bring about this change of heart. The revolution was already begun in the Garden of Eden where man revolted against God and went his own way. So what Jesus comes to do is he comes to make that right once more, make it possible for man to be saved and to be turned to the Lord. And so it's not a revolution that he comes to. Or religion. He comes very much for revival. He comes so that man might turn again to God, so that man will stop in his rebellion against God, to stop following his heart and to follow God's way and to follow what God has Said in His Word, that's what He came for. And Romans five ten to fifteen is a good passage to just look at something like that. But Jesus is all about reconciliation, not revolution. And um, yet, when a man is reconciled, the world might perceive that as them being revolutionaries. Like, for yeah. example, in Acts, the people they were getting upset with those that were preaching the gospel. Acts seventeen six, where it says, and they. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some brothers before the city authorities, shouting, "These men who have upset the world have come here also yeah. and so it 's Satan and the those that are children of Satan that believe that what the children of light are doing is upsetting everything. Yeah, you guys are yeah. just a, a bunch of killjoys. Yeah. You know, you're know, yeah, you yeah. turning things up. Bible you're, bashes. Yes, you, you, you're, you're revolutionaries. Yeah. You know, No, actually what we're doing when we've been born again is that we have been reverted back to what our original purpose was in glorifying the Lord and making him known and following his word, walking with the Lord. That's what what Jesus has made possible for us, not just walking with the Lord like in the Garden of Eden, but actually walking in the Lord and him walking in us. This is the, the mystery of godliness that's been revealed in the Gentiles.
0: Right. Uh, Tom, I hope that answers it for you. Uh, apologies, didn't read the whole thing. But then again, uh, d- just some final thoughts, Rocky. I remember when, remember way back when, when the passion of the Christ came out, there were some even church leaders that said, this is the greatest evangelical tool since the Bible been given to, to, to mankind by which we can be saved. It was played in churches all over the place. Yes, yes. And and uh, I'm just asking, the Bible is still there, but where? what happened to that tool? You know, and, yes. and that we've we've got to be discerning, and, that's and wise, people don't that's like us comment. to say this.
1: Indeed, and, and and what we need to realize is that this is all about making money. Yeah, you know, that's and when you realize that, and you start to follow the money. For example, I actually looked up um, this in in just thinking through the chosen, and they had this Christmas special, Christmas with this with the chosen, I believe it yeah. was called, and they brought it out to theaters. And it brought in $10 million in the box office. Now you think, I don't know what the rand is to the dollar now. I think it's about 17 rand or something. 17 million rand. This is a money-making scheme. It's like a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. And if Christians are buying into that, they ought to repent of that. Yeah. You know, we the, the, This is the opposite of what Timothy was called to in 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 to 12, where he says, For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evils, and some, by aspiring to it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. No wonder they say things that are not biblical. Yeah. No wonder they have concepts that are not biblical. It's because they desire money. Yeah. And if you want to get popular with the masses, then you tickle this ears. This
0: ulterior, ulterior yeah. motive, exactly. Isn't it? All
1: right. And then um, Paul says to Timothy, he says, "But you, O man of God, flee from these things." So yeah. there is a godly word for us regarding this. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you have been—you were called—and and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. That doesn't seem to me like follow your heart. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then again, uh, we find ourselves in the last days. I'm just looking for that scripture now. I think in, in Timothy that says men will become mm. lovers of themselves. And, yes. and then in the last the day, 2 Timothy 4 and mm. verse yep. 4, uh, and they will turn to fables. Yes, And, and we see that nowadays everywhere. This yep. is a very, this, you know, we're not trying to step on toes here. We just try and say, this is what the Word of God says. We've yep. got to be aware and discerners of the word of the Lord Jesus yeah, Christ, yeah. isn't
1: it? Yeah, so this is not a, a series I would have chosen. You know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, okay. There you have it. Just, just <laughs> on that point, I actually, we don't watch any series. As a family, we came to the conviction, and this is not something that we force on everybody else, but we came to the conviction that you often are actually made to be be not so acute towards sin because you've been entertained by it. And so we we took the decision as a family to not watch any movies, not watch any series. We don't own a television. And this is um, not because we're trying to be Amish, although we do kind of like growing some of our own food. But um, it's because there's so much sin that we're entertained with. And when you start to get entertained by sin, And by that which you find on a TV screen and you start to get engrossed with that, you find that you have little time for reading your Bible, little time for prayer, little time for good conversations within the home. And so maybe that would be a good New Year's resolution for some that are listening is get rid of your TV set. And um, you find that you start to become more acute towards the voice of the Lord. Because if you're entertained by gossip and murder and slander and swearing and all of these things, that we find, and worse, and you start to make it okay to yourself because maybe you watch one that doesn't have the S and the N, you know, or somebody will yeah. say, oh, I'm not affected by the S and the N. Mm. Oh, come on, man. No, just, just be real. Um, but, you know, if you if you somehow watering all of those things down, you start to become less acute towards the sin in your own life, yeah. those times of impatience with your wife or with your kids or that anger outburst because you've been so enjoying the um, – What do they call it? Uh, Scop skit. Oh, uh, Oh, yeah. In stoelgooi. In stoelgooi. That's a a good one. And and you've been enjoying all of that. No wonder you're feeling road ragey and why you're feeling frustrated (laughs) with your kids or where you don't have patience with them. Or if you may be saying to your child, no, no, not now, not now, not now, because you're just so busy engrossed with with what you're watching. Now, of course, there's other temptations, too, with things like YouTube and other things that can take much of our time. But I I think that, that for the Christian, we ought to be very circumspect with what we do with our time and how we spend it.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, baie dankie Tom vir die ene wat jy vir ons ingesteer die vraag, as jy vraag het Ina Mathie, ek sien vir jou daar Alene Verlander, daar van Port Elizabeth, baie dankie, ek sien vir jou So we'll get to your question in a moment or so If you've got a question, 0826572729 Away to six five seven two seven two nine, and uh, you're welcome to send that through, and we'll tackle it from God's perspective. Ultimately, if you itching in the collar, as jy begin rooi word onder die kraag, oor wat ons nou hieroor praat, gaan toets die skrif, gaan toets die woord van die Here. En uh, jy is baie welkom om dan vir ons WhatsApp te stuur of dit verder dan uh, dat ons kan gesels sêls daaroor. Maar die doel van hierdie programme is to bring you the undiluted word of God. What does the word of God say with regards to that? Rocky, we received a WhatsApp that says, ek is genooi om by vriende die Shabbat te gaan bywoon. Hulle is ook Christene. My vraag is, val die Shabbat Onder Moosesse wette, en as jy die een wet dan nagekom het, die Shabbat of die Sabbat, moet je dan al die wette nakom in ook die Joodse feeste vier. Ek hou daarvan om nachtmaal uh, saam met geloviges te doen, maar help my om hier die vraag dan beter te verstaan. What do we answer, this listener, with regards to that question? And I know there's a a, a huge movement in South Africa as well. Some do it on a Saturday, some do it on a Sunday. But then again, where does the Shabbat or the Sabbath fall with regards to the laws of Moses, and where does it fit in? Our
1: Lord Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so for the Christian, Him being raised from the dead on what we call the Lord's Day, even in the beginning of the book of Revelation, uh, we have John speaking about how he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. You have even somebody like Thomas being appeared to on the Lord's day. And so there's something so special about the Lord's day as congregated worship of the Lord. We no longer take part in the Sabbath because the Lord of the Sabbath had come. And we also don't take part in any of the Jewish feasts, the way in which um, they uh, would take part and they have seven different feasts all Uh, all of them except for one have already been fulfilled in christ's first coming the only feast that we still wait a fulfilment for is the feast of booths which will take place for the thousand year reign of christ zechariah fourteen teaches us that the nations will come for the Feast of Booths and it's quite a fascinating passage because you see Jesus rescuing Jerusalem. Half of Jerusalem would have been destroyed by the Antichrist yeah. and the armies of the world and then Jesus rescues his people and he establishes his millennial reign and Jerusalem is raised up like a diadem and all the, the hills around and you've been to Jerusalem and I envy you for that and I've, I've heard on Radio Pulpit that there's a trip that's going to Jerusalem. <laughs> I, keep these on, days. I keep on hearing about that. So So if they need an extra tour guide, you know, um, you can just put in a good word for me. But you you find that it's a very hilly area and the rest of the hills are made low and Jesus reigns from Jerusalem. And the nations of the world come yearly to take part in the Feast of Booths. And so there will be a time when a Jewish feast is once again taken part of. But that is after the rapture of the church all the others have been fulfilled and all of them really come together and culminate in what we call the Lord's Supper, which has been alluded to in this question. Again, with the Lord's Supper, we find very clear instructions in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 of how the Lord's Supper is to be taken part of. This is something that is to be done as a congregation, as an assembly of believers. This is not simply something to be taken part of at home or with somebody else or when you go visit a sick person. This is something that the congregated assembly Assembly of believers take parting together. I preached a sermon on that not too long ago, so you could probably go and find it. It was during some of the lockdown time I saw a lot of churches were starting to do something called like mobile. Um, Lord's Supper ceremonies and and, and they really strayed from what the scriptures teach regarding this. When you come together and that's part of the point and when you assemble together as a church and as a local body accepting Jesus as your Lord and as the head of the church and, and the Lord's Supper very much is the only I mean that and baptism are the ordinances which the Lord Jesus has given to his church and this is the church age. Now Paul would actually make this argument he says in Galatians 5 verse 12 that he says to the people and that the people in Galatia were starting to get confused and they were beginning to mix some of the old Jewish practices with their newfound Christian religion. And Paul makes an argument. He says that the law and all of these practices were really a schoolmaster which were pointing us towards Christ. And so if we don't want Christ, then we start to go back to those things and we start to say we need to add these things to Jesus. And we ought to not add to Jesus these things. And Paul makes the argument and he goes so far as to say things that today would be accepted as very harsh. He says because they started to say that a Christian needs to be circumcised as well. How far do you go? Okay, let's take part in the feast. Okay, let's take part in, in um, the way in which the Old Testament has the priestly order. Let's take part in some of these things. Let's wear some tassels on our shirts. Let's do some of these other things. How far do you go? And Paul says, if you want to try and keep some of the law, then you better keep all of the law. Oh, yes. Don't just do a little bit of this and because it's not okay to have just that. And he says to them, I wish that you guys who are busy upsetting the church, I wish you'd even go so far as just emasculate yourselves. You know, don't go, don't stop with the circumcision. Cut it all off. Because you want to be so holy? You want to prove that you're so holy? And so Paul makes that type of a bold, um, extreme kind of a, and and it's scriptural. It's right there in Galatians 5.12. And that's how Paul feels about this. So how should we feel about it when people start getting all confused with these things? Now on the flip side, on another side, I think it's all great and good and well to understand what the Jews were doing. To understand what those seven feasts were and why they would have them. Why were three of the feasts feasts that you would go to Jerusalem? How were they fulfilled in Christ? You know, I don't think it would be a problem to, out of an educational way, maybe take part in something to actually see this is the way they would eat the matzos and this is the way that they would drink the wine. This is how this, this process would happen. Yeah. But as soon as it starts becoming actually almost a false religion, where you say, this is the way that you please God then you start to say that Jesus isn't enough. And I think that's where the problem comes. And that's what any form of legalism does. Legalism Add something to Jesus, which ends up subtracting from Jesus. You start to say, Jesus' death and his finished work at the cross isn't enough. We need to have this feast added to it.
0: We love going there. Dad. And we love Ooh, to have yeah. those kind of things. Formulas.
1: We want to pat ourselves on the back and say, yeah. oh, look at how great I am. Yeah. What a wonderful sheep I am. I've got a more woolly coat and I can bear a little bit better than others. Yeah. Yeah. And And this starts to become it. And those people that sometimes embrace that, Will start to even look down on the other christian Christian brothers and sisters who don't do that, oh, what do you mean you don't take in a, take part in a Sabbat you know, and I, I found some people that will even start to call Jesus uh, Yeshua, for example, now that would have been his Hebrew name, but all the way through the New Testament he's Jesus. That's the way the New Testament was written. It was written in Greek, not in Hebrew. And so these people, in their own ignorance, puff themselves up too often and want to really pat themselves on the back with these things. And I think we need to be careful of that as Christians. Now, of course, be gracious to one another as well when you come across individuals that, that do such. Um, but, but I think you need to be careful. And um, what Paul says to us as well is interesting when it comes to food that's offered to idols, 1 Corinthians. He, he mentions that as soon as you know that this was actually offered to demons— don't take part in it. But if you've got food that's placed before you, even by unbelievers, you know, God has given us all the food to enjoy. But as soon as you know the motive behind it is actually not right, yes. you should not take part in it. So I would be careful that if you're taking part in a Jewish feast with the mentality of a Jew, taking part in the feast and what you find actually is that many times even Christians will now have an extra chair open because they're now waiting for the Messiah that's what the Jews do they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah they rejected Jesus that's the whole book of Matthew Jesus comes as king and they reject him and they nail the thing above his head saying this is the king of the Jews and the Jews have rejected Jesus and so the Gentiles have been brought in but we see that in Romans chapter 11 that the Jews will be brought back in again and that's at the millennial uh, reign of Christ and it's only the hand of God that can do that there's a mass turning of the Jews and that's where that last feast will actually be fulfilled the Feast of Booths but you see how this wraps together in, in a wonderful way But we have our Lord Jesus, and he's enough for us.
0: All right. So put it in a nutshell. If we have to answer this person in one sentence, is what would you say? I would say that it's
1: good to be part of a good biblically-based church. That is a new covenant church that helps you to see the beauty of being a new covenant believer and, and a priesthood of every believer. Um, we we have the feasts already fulfilled in Christ, and we look forward to one more feast. And indeed, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We look forward to that time where the Feast of Booths will be taken part of there. But we've got a feast that's awaiting for us. Yeah. And there's a feast that we look forward to when we take part in the Lord's Supper. And that's called the Marriage Feast of the Lamb. Yeah. And that takes part during the seven years. Your tribulation period and so when we take part in the Lord's Supper we do it with two major motives one is to say we celebrate in the fact that Jesus has done this for us he is enough for us but we also take part in that the Lord's Supper until he comes we look forward to the coming of the Lord Jesus and so there's a, a looking back that takes place and there's a looking within that takes place as we judge ourselves before we eat of that and then there's a looking forward Jesus is coming again and so that's enough for us what Jesus has commanded is enough, and the New Testament has never once said, go take part in what all the Jews did. In fact, it says very much the opposite as, well, as what we've seen with Paul in Galatians. So I would take great caution with that. I'd rather not be a part of that, um, honestly. I would right. not. I would advise members at Benoni Bible Church to not be a part of that, yeah. and any Christian to not be a part of that. It actually begins to become a mockery of Christ that says, Jesus isn't enough for me. Now, I know that that's not the motive of everybody that does this. So I'm not trying to say that that yeah. is the motive um, but um, but I would I would be cautious with regard to that.
0: Nou luister dan skief 20 minute voor 12 vir 12 uur maak die program klaar as jy nog jou vraag wil inkry. Ek kan sê ons moet ook musiek speel and so we'd like to yeah to the broadcasting rules set out for Radio Puppet and be then subject to the uh, rulers over us. So ons het uh, vir jou Immanuel Oasis musiekgroep op die draaitafel en as ons terugkom dan uh, keers verder in het programma. dank you vir die vraag wat besig is om in te stroom. 082 657 2729. Oei, 2657 2729. If you've got a question you want us to handle, uh, send it through to us and uh well, we'll tackle it in this program. Nou ja, kom ons farrie besiek niet so weg daar in die achtergrond. Neil Higgins, wat wil beginne singe daar, so kom ons stop om nie daar. Jy is al geskakel op skrifteerlik, en saam met my in die Rocky Stevenson. Baie dankie ook vir al die vraag wat so inkom. Uhm, iemand wat hier gevraad, um, uh, dankie vir die program, en wanneer en hoe en waar word een pastoor? Dit beteken mys herder, nee. Um, Is dit a titel of waarom spreek ons mense aan as pastoor, as dominee, as reverend, bishop? En I even hear nowadays people say the head of the church is apostle, so and so. Why the titles? Is this scriptural, Rocky, where does it come from? And many people say, well, you can address me as prophet, so and so. Or, uh, y- you know... Th- Usually
1: those guys are there for the prophet, not to, to be called prophets.
0: All right, But where <laughs> does the titles come from?
1: Yeah, um, I think it's a good question, and I'll, I'll deal with it in two parts. One, um, you to become a pastor or to be uh, somebody who would then shepherd the flock, each one is given different gifts by our Lord. We have the local church is the priesthood of every believer. And God has given certain gifts to certain people within that. But we also see that it is the local church that affirms that. And so when somebody believes that they call towards ministry, you would go to something like 1 Timothy chapter 3, and you would see, do they qualify? There's the ministry of being a deacon. There's two offices, really. Actually, you could say three offices within the New Testament church. The office of deacon, the office of elder, which is interchangeable with bishop and pastor or under shepherd or elder as such. And then there's the office of the church member. We see those three kind of displayed offices within the New Testament church. But you would look and see, do they qualify for this? And you see even in 1 Timothy 3, that um, verse 10, that they are to be tested first. In particular, the deacons are to be tested first to see whether or not they should be. And you find a qualification for a deacon's wife in 1 Timothy 3, verse 11. And then you have after this the qualifications of elders. And so biblically, one would need to qualify. And there's a major difference between pastors and deacons in that a pastor or a, an elder Because that is an interchangeable term. We've sometimes differentiated that, and we've said an elder is an unpaid pastor, or, yeah. and the pastor is the paid-for pastor as such. And, and so we will sometimes differentiate that in our own minds. But biblically, there's no difference between a bishop, elder, pastor. It's words that are used interchangeably. First Peter 5 talks about shepherding the flock of God. That's part of the role of the, the pastor or the elder. But the big difference between a deacon and an elder is that an elder will have that he, he will have that desire for that office, we see, so he must desire it, but then he also needs to be able to teach yeah. and so that is part of the major difference between an elder deacon. An elder and a deacon are very much the same as far as a qualification; they ought to be spiritual men mm. that are that are serving the church. But you notice that it is the church that confirms the call, and so that 's an important point I think that that today too many people are self appointed. What we should have is um, local churches Mm -hmm. that are strongly functioning. Autonomously with their own leadership structures where the church is able to disciple those that are within the congregation and from its own number, there are those that then become deacons or those that become elders. And we see even with somebody like Timothy, who the book of first Timothy was written to, he was actually, he had the laying on of hands from the apostles. And so there was this element. And and the Bible even says, don't be hurried in the laying on of hands. And that I believe is speaking specifically in. Putting somebody into the office of elder or deacon, right. we need to be very careful with this and make sure that they actually qualify according to the scriptures. Titus chapter one is another good passage to go to to see the qualifications of an elder, and and that's the office of one that actually teaches within the church and preaches within the church. Now, when it comes to the titles, you know we we have titles because we are wanting to show respect for certain individuals in certain offices. But uh, even for myself, I'll often introduce myself as Rocky Stevenson, the pastor of yeah. Benoni Bible Church. I won't easily introduce myself as Pastor Rocky yeah. because I'm pastor to those that I shepherd, yeah. those that are part of the flock that I'm part of, yeah. and those that, that have, you are you responsible. Yes, and those for. that have also submitted themselves, because the Bible also teaches that you are to submit yourself to those that, and this is um, Hebrews chapter thirteen for example, um, where, you, where those that are members within a local congregation ought to submit themselves underneath those that have been given the spiritual authority over them. And um, James, and I alluded to that passage earlier, says that not many should become teachers because you'll be called to account. And so God gives an under-shepherd to a local congregation, and he's charged with the spiritual well-being of that flock, and he's pastor to that flock. Right. Even when I come into Radio Pulpit, I'm not... Pastor to the people here. I'm not pastor to the people on that are listening. Listening I'm pastor to those that are part of Benoni Bible Church, where I am the pastor. And so, when somebody calls me pastor, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because I do operate as a pastor. That's what I do. That's the part of the function. It's very, it's it's almost intricately connected to what I am as an individual because before God, I, I I pastor a local flock, but it is through that local church that you are even affirmed in that, that position. Right. Many today would go to seminaries or to bible colleges and I think that those exist and they, they're good and good and well but they exist often because there's there's um really a weakness within the local church when it comes to discipleship. Because the very best place for the making of a pastor or the making of an elder is the local church where they ought to be discipled and brought up into a position in there. And just as a side interesting note, somebody like the Apostle Paul and Barnabas served as elders at the church at Antioch, yeah. and they were there likely for almost 10 years before they were sent out on their missionary journey. And even that, they had the laying on of that congregation, where that congregation said, God has sent these two apart, yeah. and he's set them wow. apart. And so the local That's church- That's a very important point, Dad. Yes, the local church is intricately connected with this desire. If you've got the desire to pastor or elder, then the local church should be able to see that. Yeah. And the very best people to elder are those that are already starting to teach. Yeah. It's those that are already starting to do the work. Yeah. Yeah. That's the very best people to right. lay hands on right. and set aside.
0: And all these other terminologies, the apostle, well, you've used the Apostle Paul. We've just spoken about it. But I'm prophetic, I'm prophet, so and so, and all these other titles. Uh, is that scriptural? Is it? Is it? Does it come from God's Word? We, we, does the Bible give us that instruction? I can't find that in God's Word.
1: No, not at all. Um, there is. That whole debate regarding the fivefold ministry, yeah, um, I believe that when the the scriptures were completed that uh, that that those offices came to an right. end, and we have Ephesians chapter two, verse twenty that talks about how the church is founded on the foundation of the prophets and apostles right. we building on that foundation, with the close of the canon, we have now still the offices of pastor, teacher, evangelist, and many a times the pastor himself is even called to do the work of an evangelist like Paul says to Timothy. And so the offices of apostle, Um, When I'm saying apostle, I'm talking about like big A apostle. The very word apostle Mm. means sent out one, so Benoni Bible Church has got five small A apostles in that we have missionaries that have been sent out. So the work of a small A apostle is being a missionary. It's going and planting a church somewhere. And so that's the actual meaning of the word apostle. It means sent out one. But those 12 apostles of Jesus and the 12 plus one, Mattanias, we remember, and then you remember um, Paul. on as one untimely born those 13 there's been no such a thing as like a passing on of that apostleship to others right. that office has been closed and the church is built on that foundation
0: quick comment there on what's up a pastor is a servant why call him on his title even in his congregation god has called you on your name a quick uh, comment on that yeah, um,
1: look i think i think it's um if, if somebody's getting hung up on that and they've been all prideful about that, I think that would be a problem. Yeah. But, um, but to me, even at Benoni Bible Church, there's some that call me Rocky. There's some that uh, call me rocks. There's others that call me pastor. Mm. There's others that call me brother. Um, I I don't get really hung up on that either way. And and I think as long as the person is actually doing what he's called to do and he's doing what the scriptures teach regarding being a pastor, I don't see a problem within a local church of acknowledging him in, in that kind of way. When you go to the doctor's office, generally you'll say to the doctor, doctor. Yeah. Um, so and so yeah. and you'll use his surname even yeah. and you'll give him a level of respect yeah. when you go into parliamentary things you'll say honorable speaker and then you'll say the yeah. most dishonorable things um, and so <laughs> there's you know where you are functioning within a specific place if that is yeah. the title that you have and, and a local church also will call you with that title they'll say yeah. well he's reverent or he's is um, a pastor. I don't see a really a, a, a problem with that. But there's also not a problem with just calling somebody by their first name. Our oh, Lord right. Jesus was called Jesus, but at other times Lord, other times Rabbi. Yeah. Um, and he didn't stop them from saying And the saying sad that. you see called yes. in Beelzebub. <laughs> they did indeed. Yeah. Yes, and he said, we'll be also mocked and aligned yeah. with them. That with that to too. Well, when then. somebody is called pastor, it actually should be a fearful thing because that person knows... They're teaching others that are under them, and they will give an account one day before the Lord on what they say.
0: I know if, uh, I somebody say. in P.E. said, It is a fearful thing if you dare to say, Thus saith the Lord God Almighty. Thomas caught up with us, Aliline Philander um, from Port Elizabeth. We'll tackle your question next week. And thank you so much for all the responses we got on uh, on WhatsApp. Uh, bless your hearts and each and every one that responded. Thomas caught up with us. Rocky, if anybody wants to be in touch with you, write your email. I know you're burning the midnight candle, brother. Yeah. But if they yeah. want to be uh, in touch with you send your email? How do they do that?
1: Rocky Stevens. Oh, sorry. I'm giving it the wrong one again. Yeah. Pastor at benonibiblechurch.co.za. Um, just as a brief thought that came to mind, when you talk about pastor, it actually means shepherd. Yeah, And, and that's not really a compliment in Old Testament terms. Or it actually, um, it, it's interchangeable with servant. You yeah. know, you, you're actually just a shepherd. Um, and you should stink like the sheep stink, and you should uh, lead the sheep well. And, and that's what you're called towards. And you, you could go and read something like First Peter
0: 5 and see the shepherding call towards pastors. Yeah, somebody said, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer, you do it all. You do it for the glory of our Lord, Savior, and uh, our Master. Well, Rocky, bless your heart. Thank you so much. Uh, with that, we've come to the end of this program. Don't forget, it's good to listen to Rocky uh, Stevenson, a pastor. Rocky Stevenson, and uh, and uh, I just said that tongue in cheek. Uh, but bless your heart. Thank you so much. We enjoy presenting this program to you. And you know what? Ultimately, it's the glory to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Search the scriptures, Acts seventeen eleven, to see if these things are so. Until uh, next week, uh, if the Lord tarries, God bless you. Shalom. Search the scriptures to see if these things are so. From us, till next time. God bless you.